Welcome to the Search and Succeed podcast. I'm Rob Glass, managing partner of Hunston Partners. We are so fortunate to share many journeys with some exceptional people throughout their careers, people whom are thriving in their area of expertise. And on this podcast, we'll be chatting with them about how they perceive and strive for success within their industry and their life. And always delighted to be here with the wonderful Joe Moore and David Cohen. I hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Search and Succeed podcast. To give a a little bit of background, Search and Succeed was created to fulfill several designs Initially, it was created for the Hunston Partners Executive Search and Succeed firm, which combines senior level talent acquisition and best in class coaching, creating an exceptional candidate experience and onboarding process. But as a mindset and methodology, it exists to initiate and instigate one's thinking about how we can help ourselves and others to be as successful as possible, successful in life, work, and careers, clients and personal relationships, parenthood, health, or anything relevant to you. Success means something different to every single person. It isn't necessarily earning the most money, being a captain of industry, winning the most accolades. It could be work-life balance, relationship with your spouse, kids and colleagues, being ethical and living with integrity, or living a humble but happy life. We could go on. Ultimately, success in all its forms leads to happiness. And I say, if you're searching and finding happiness, you'll live a good life. What are you looking for? And what does success look like to you? We're excited that we'll have some magnificent guests who'll join us. But for today, you have us three. Myself, Joe Moore and David Kerrion. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Rob. So, look, a bit about me. I'm Rob Glass. Uh, I have a very talented wife who's an incredible artist. I have three wonderful sons, a slightly nutty boxer dog. I'm a Mancunian, but exiled in London. I once coached soccer in the US, but now I'm managing partner of Hunston Partners Search and Succeed, where I spend the vast majority of my time speaking with amazing people in the digital technology and professional services space. Joe, a bit about you. Yep, thanks, Rob. So, hi, I'm Joe Moore. I live in Cheshire, so a northerner like Rob. I live with my daughter and my three crazy dogs. Um, they're probably even more bonkers than Rob's dog. Um, I'm I kind of grew up in my career through investment banking, but now as managing partner of Hunston, together with Rob and David. Um, but my focus is uh, more around the succeed side of the business where I bring my experience in organizational transformation and coaching to help clients and candidates really develop, define and achieve their goals. I absolutely, I'm so passionate about health and well-being and about people development. And, you know, I, I love nothing more than getting up and out in the morning and walking around the countryside where I, I live with my with my dogs. So, you know, really happy to be on the call today. Super excited about being able to share our concept around search and succeed. 
and you know just great to be here so glad you are here and there's a lot to unwrap there and we'll come on to it in a minute david how about you hi guys welcome um i'm part of the uh the team at hunston partners where we spend our days immersed in the digital transformation digital consulting and and services space connecting with people incredible people who tend to be a lot more smart and knowledgeable than myself um outside of work um recently married uh have an amazing little dog as uh it seems we all do part of the uh part of the dog crew here um i think mine would definitely give both rob's and joe's a, a run for its money on the the crazy scale um also an avid football fan football player for all my sins still play competitively uh and just very very pleased to to be here having these conversations and looking forward to what the rest of the podcast series brings. Do they say, I think they say, don't they, that we are like our dogs or the other way around. So I think if we have nutty dogs, I don't, I'm not sure what it says about us. That's a bit worrying. Yeah. yeah. I think what's, what's really going to be ex- interesting to talk about, and we're going to have some great guests on this podcast and they're going to talk about themselves, but also what's important to them. At, the, at this very moment and in life, but also in their business, because I think a lot of our guests are going to be you know, really, su- I was going to use the word successful, but people that have, have have gone on an upwards trajectory in their career. And the reason I hesitated actually using the word successful there is because, as I said in the, you know, in, in my piece at the beginning, success, I think is so often related to money, and the people that do the best in in their job and in their companies and in their careers. But I think ultimately, I, I think success is a, is a is a much wider conversation. I saw a um, a, a quote the other day, a, a chap that I follow, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an American guy, really great. He's like super passionate about loads of different things. But I thought I'd just mention it here. He, he said. Seven billion people need to change the conversation of what success looks like. It's it's not to make a billion dollars. It's to wake up in the morning and actually be in a good mood. And I think it really resonated with me because, yeah, we, we see people all the time that are doing really well, but are super stressed and super unhappy. And then we also see on the flip side stories of you know, people in what one might call a less successful job um but are super happy right and they're happy with what they have and and joe when you were introducing yourself there and you know what what i love about you is how broad your skill set is when it comes to the advice that you provide whether it's health and well-being whether it's career based whether it's emotional based whatever it might be because all of those i think correlate towards looking for success and so you know i think what would be good to just discuss here is the term search and succeed um because that's what the podcast is called that's what we're going to be talking to lots of people about for me it it search is looking for i'm quite pragmatic succeed is success but to the point i just made there about what success is and how you look for it Joe, what's your take on the term itself and how it and what it means to you, but also what you think it means to people seeing the term? 
So, uh, you know, I, th I think you raised a great point there about success and what it means. And I think particularly through the pandemic, there's been a real change in terms of people's personal definition of success. And that, you know, the quote you said there about people are looking to, you know, people should be changing the narrative and looking to wake up happy. I think that has actually become more and more important and more a focal point of people's choices. So when you're talking about search and succeed, what people are looking for, so that search aspect is changing. So, you yeah. know, in the past, it might have been, I want this career, I want this opportunity to escalate and, and get to a much more senior level. It might be financial, I want to increase my, you know, remuneration. And actually now they are looking for a broader package. So, you know, aspects of flexibility, understanding how they can maintain a work-life balance, understanding options to, you know, work from home, take time out. Those kind of things have become a priority because through lockdown, people realised that there was more to life than just going into the office every day. So I, I think you're absolutely right to reference that. But in terms of the phrase search and succeed and in terms of what that means to me personally, I think it's a really important acknowledgement that just finding the right thing doesn't mean it's automatically going to work for you. It's about recognizing that one step is the search aspect. What am I looking for? Defining that, finding it, securing that. But then actually the second step, which is how do I go on now? I've got what I was looking for. How do I now make that a success? And, you know, in terms of what we offer within Hunston, that coupling of the two and recognizing that you've landed, for example, the right job, you've moved to the right company, but then there's a lot of work now, you know, that, that's the start of that investment to then make that a success. So recognizing that those two go together to get you to your ultimate goal. So, so I think for me, the importance is recognizing the two sides of it, because often we think the search, okay, we've got it now, we're done. And we almost stop, but actually it's, you know, the search and succeed recognizes that the two are linked together and you have to then go, I've landed it. How do I now make the best of it? I think that from my perspective is why it's such a useful term because it helps people think beyond just the decision and the acceptance. It's right. How do I take this forward and how do I succeed? So that, that's, that's kind of my, my, my take on it and, and why I see the two are so importantly linked together. Do you think that if, and David, I'll come on to you in a sec as well to give your thoughts on it. Do, do you think that if you stuck a hundred people in a room together and asked them to write what they think from a subject heading perspective, the top, the, the five subjects of what makes them feel like they succeed, and then maybe five points underneath. I think that you would never get two people to saying exactly the same things as far as what success looks like. And I think that's what makes success as a word so interesting um, because it's so independent to the person. And to your point there, I think that over the, of the pandemic, you know, we hear so many stories of people moving out of London, people moving out of the big cities, people moving out of the big jobs, moving into different career paths, looking at their finances maybe going down to make themselves happier. I wonder, do you think that perhaps that could turn back on its head with the way that the economy goes and now obviously we're all fighting for that little bit more cash again with you know the energy bills going up etc or do you think that it can do you think that the pandemic has created a different mindset when it comes to people looking for that long-term success i think the pandemic because obviously there was a risk to health so that was you know the fundamentals were put at risk during the mm. pandemic and people almost reset when they're in that situation where their their health and well-being is at risk 
and it makes you look at everything differently. So, so I think that fundamental shift because they were like, oh my God, right. There's, there's a potential risk here of getting very poorly. You know, they, they were aware of the, the stats that were being released by the government and how, you know, the risk was escalating. And I think at those kind of moments you stop and check and you think, well, what's important? And I think that was probably the driving force behind that fundamental change. And you, you talked about, you know, seeing a real shift in the um, work environment and, you know, the term the great resignation was seen. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with huge shifts in people's, you know, I don't want to be at work all the time. I don't want to be stressed all the time. I, I don't want to be almost missing my life. You know, there was a real sort of realization that there was a lot more to life. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, I don't think anyone's ever experienced anything quite like that pandemic before. And suddenly there was this huge pause in our lives and a chance to reflect and coming out of that, you know, I'd like to think that there's a lot of really positive learnings come out of that. Um, that will last over the long term. So, so recognizing there is a balance to be struck. You know, I think you're absolutely right. The the you know the cost of living pressures that are going on at the moment, and people are struggling for money. But I think people are that they've taken the time to recognize what makes them happy, and it might be having more time with the family, having more time to do the things they love, as well as balancing that need for obviously covering their financial commitments. And I think if they yeah. can find a way of balancing the two without having to work crazy hours and put themselves under enormous stress i think people are looking for that more balanced option you know yeah. I, I i don't think you can get away from the very immediate demands of the you know as you were saying energy prices and you know this this pressures within the economy but i do think people are looking at their career and you know therefore defining success in a more balanced way than probably ever before yeah absolutely i think that the working from home, the remote working from home has changed the way companies hire people as well. I think, you know, before, and it, but it might be flipping back on its head in that before a company based in London or in New York, for example, would want to hire someone in New York, right, to be in the office or near the office. And what happened over the pandemic and the ensuing year has been that they could then hire people, bring pe bring talent in that were wherever, right, because you can work remotely. I think it might be shifting a little bit back the other way again. David, you speak to people all the time uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, all across EMEA and in the US. And so we're seeing a recession potential as well in the US. Tell, tell us from your perspective about Search and Succeed and what it means to you. But also what when you're speaking to people you know, uh, in the US and or over here, what's what, what kind of feeling are you getting at the moment when it comes to their work-life balance and what success is to them and what's important to them i think it's, it's been a really interesting time and you know we're, we're trying to put the pandemic behind us in many ways so it's a shame to always continuously bring it up and talk about it but it has yeah. it, sh it shaped the way the world is going to move forward in in many ways and people's mentality and i think that if you were in a position where you were moving roles during the pandemic and going through remote interview processes, never meeting face to face with individuals who you were planning on making that that big move with and, and working with moving forward. It was a very different thing to do. Um, and it's made the way that we do things extremely different moving forward i mean right now we're sitting here recording a podcast in three different locations staring at three squares on a screen 
um and Pretty different lightings as well <laughs> exactly and we and we we could we could all be sitting together doing this um ultimately logistics and uh, and things stand in the way um but i think it's made made people more adaptable um and it's made the that word adaptable and flexible come to the forefront of the way that we not only work but apply to to many aspects of our lives um as rob said you know i speak to people across the globe ultimately who you know we've all experienced the pandemic in one way or another we're all experiencing the the squeeze from an economic perspective and i think the time that people spent at home with their families throughout the pandemic has really given perspective on what is important in life and i think there's there's no shying away from the fact that for for many people work is extremely important it's how we get by it's how we provide for our families it's how we earn ourselves a living um but balancing the two together is key um and we we do a lot of work in the in the consulting space which consultants you know they spend a lot of time traveling on the road in front of clients away from their families um, and I think from both sides of the table the, the consultant side but also their client side it's become a lot more maybe acceptable isn't quite the right word but but a lot more uh will go normalized. now a lot more normalized exactly to right. you know build a relationship face to face at the key uh part of of building and forging that type of uh engagement um but then you know doing things in a lot more flexible manner moving forward so that people can maintain that work-life balance so they're not racking up tens of thousands of air miles every single year flying around the globe meeting clients for yeah. a, a half an hour coffee and I think that also has has a significant impact on the carbon footprint we have in the world. So th th there's many, many things that, that go into it. I think when it comes to search and succeed, I think the search part for us is 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 vital and key to what we do as a business. But the succeed part is is such a huge value add. And as you said, Rob, you know, many, many people gauge succeed and what success means in in many different ways but ultimately it, it is very personal is it family life is it work life is it um fitness and nutrition and making sure that you're healthy and, and putting your body in the best place to be successful with the family and at work and at the office um so i think that's something that we're gonna definitely unfold as the conversation continues um, as to what it means to, to different people. Yeah, um, we're in search and succeed every day because it's our business, it's our strap line. But as a term on its own, I think that's what this podcast is for, right? I think it's for, it's not about our, the business side, albeit, of course, we're talking to people about their lives and their work every day. So it kind of intertwines, but it really is about the looking for and, and trying to find this, the, the success part. And as I said in my in my bed at the beginning, and it's interesting actually, because I saw a quote saying that success doesn't lead to happiness. And I think, uh, I was trying to remember who that was, it'll come to me in a minute, but I understand why that person said that because being successful and earning the most money and, and the accolades and uh, getting to the top of the tree is how a lot of people immediately perceive success. And I suppose what we're keen to do here is flip that on its head a little bit in that success 
does create happiness because success doesn't necessarily mean all about how well you're doing in business. It's about everything Joe said about that she does, which is bringing it all together uh, and how she supports people to to do that, Joe. And when you're talking to people who are very successful in their careers uh, and you're coaching them and you're, you're advising boards, etc., how how difficult do you find to separate or get that person to separate the what's supposed to be success with what we're saying is success of bringing it all together? I think the approach um, that I take is that recognizing that when people are at work, they are termed employees, but actually they're still people. So you don't shed certain aspects of you just to turn up at work. You bring all of that with you. So, so when I'm approaching anything with coaching, it's, it's a very holistic approach because if someone's having a difficult time at home or, you know, as you mentioned, David, health and well-being, if you're not, if you're not, you know, eating well and you're, you know, you're not looking after yourself, you can't perform at your best at work. So it's about recognizing that we come to work as whole people. We have all these different threads to us. And, and that's why, you know, um, the type of coaching that we bring, we, we offer that full range with, you know, transformational coaching, executive coaching, health and well-being, um, simply because we are all of those things. We, we can't separate ourselves out and go, well, I'm an employee now, so all that other stuff doesn't matter. We, we have to acknowledge that, you know, there's lots of things go on in our lives. There's lots of fundamental ways we approach things that we bring, we almost project that onto our working life. So, you know, working with the individuals, the, the, the great people that we get to, to interact with, but also working at a sort of more collective level, at a board level or at a very senior leadership level, helping them recognize that, when you're working with teams, you're working with individual people with different perspectives and actually recognizing that that variety of viewpoint is what brings the success. So, so really cherishing that individuality, cherishing people's different perspectives on success and everything basically, but recognizing that it's the intricate weaving together of all of those aspects that really bring sustained success. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you through movies or any form of anything that we kind of grow up with, you see, you know, like someone's wife might be or husband might be upset with the, their spouse on the basis that they're working too hard. And so if you were to kind of break up their kind of, I'm a husband and I'm a, an employer and, uh, and an employee and I'm a dad. And when you think about the percentages of each one, it might be that you're only like 5% being a husband at that moment, but you are a husband um how do you kind of increase that in order to make that part of your life a little bit happier and, and more balanced and it's I think you know just being um just talking from personal experience you know it, it, it's tough right you get yourself into positions where you're more focused on one than you are the other not for any other reason than just you're a human and you're just trying to do your best and you you know you just you know you focused on what you focused on um, but it's it's that ability to level it up, isn't it? And try and get that balance. Absolutely. So balance is key. But I think to David's point before about adaptability, we're all having to be adaptable. So recognizing as anything is in life, you know, we do something and if we are working extremely hard for a period of time, there's a give back that comes after that. Whereas we'll need, you know, we'll know we've not been to kids shows we've not been you know having time at home with the family those kind of things and so when we get the opportunity we have to let things ebb and flow 
So that it, it's okay to have periods where you know you you are if you're delivering a project, it's very consuming. But recognizing that we don't get stuck in a pattern of behavior that, for the long term, is detrimental to us as an individual, but also to to those you know associated with us. Mm. And I think I think that's the key is that ebb and flow. So when you have got quiet time, recognizing right, I'm going to do something with that that rebalances some, you know, some areas that maybe have been neglected, that might be going to the gym, that might be going for a walk, that might be, you know, taking the kids to the park, whatever it happens to be. It's recognizing that it's okay to have those peaks at work, as long as when you've got the troughs, you're balancing things out on the other side. And we, we you know, we try and look over a longer term, but, you know, we all know, we've, we've all been through various phases in our life where you get so into the habit of working crazy hours, you almost can't see it anymore. And I think that's the point at which it becomes unhealthy. As long as you're recognizing you're working hard and you go, well, I know this is for this finite period of time. And at that point, I can shift and do a rebalance of my, as you put it, your percentage allocations to, of time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, once you get to that, recognizing there's time to do that, then I think I think that that's what's important. It's that being adaptable for the different phases of your life and, and the, you know, the short-term deadlines. But I think for anyone, that long-term enormous demand heavy stress is going to be detrimental to to the individual and and therefore to the business itself because they are a collection of individuals ultimately so so recognizing that there's no benefit that comes out that long-term endless sort of demand and stress it's at this point of the podcast that i'd like to mention a charity very close to our heart prevent breast cancer as the only UK charity entirely dedicated to the prediction and prevention of breast cancer. They're committed to freeing the world from the disease altogether. At Prevent Breast Cancer, they make sure 100% of their research funding is focused on preventing breast cancer for future generations. They are right at the front line in the fight against the disease. And we are right behind them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually think that there's another dimension in there. I think that we, you know, we've spoken quite a lot so far about the work-life balance and the, the family work balance. Um, but also, you know, very rarely in, in, especially in the industries that we work in, are you uh, an individual, even the term individual contributor is you're never actually individual. You're always working with teams. So I think, especially when you're in a leadership capacity, um and you're trying to strike that balance um that you're, you're making sure that you're doing that with the team that you operate with internally you know it can't always be pedal to the metal burning everyone out making sure that you know deadlines are met because you know that's what what the, the organization the employer or the client is demanding we need to make sure that everything is in harmony uh, so that everything can can be successful in the long term not just from a, a personal perspective and and actually to your point there about leadership as leaders we have a responsibility because how we act, how we behave in the workplace, the kind of things we show are important, are the things that the people further down the organization are going to naturally align with. So, you know, there's the individual aspect, then there's the team aspect, but there's actually as a leader, it's how big a footprint, how big an impact are you having on the wider organization? Because they're aspiring to come up the ranks and be, you know, a leader themselves one day, then they're looking to you as 
what's what's the model of leadership that works within this organization so that's a you know, very very important point that you raise there about leadership absolutely and rob and i actually came across a uh, a situation only what three four days ago uh where we were um we we, we had an individual who's going through a, an interview process with uh, let's call them a, a, an extremely prestigious uh, strategy consulting organization. Um, and he was really, he was really worried about the work-life balance and, and how these organizations are perceived externally. He ended up having a conversation with one of the leaders of this business who said to him, you know, I've, I've, I've got five kids at home, uh, but I still manage to work in a way that allows me to, spend plenty of time with them go to everything that's important make sure i'm a dad um but be a very substantial and executive leader when i need to be within the organization and that that really changed the candidate's mindset on who this firm are and how he could potentially see a fit for himself within that type of a business as opposed to a business who um you know don't allow you to have that type of uh that type of flexibility yeah well the culture might be being renowned for being a bit too heavy on the work part there's some really interesting stuff there and there's a couple of things because there's one that made me think of an analogy you know i'm quite sport focused so i think in football analogies there used to be a footballer um called matt letizier right he was a very successful footballer for southampton who were a mid-level I suppose Premier League team club that have yo-yoed a bit and this guy he played in the 90s and uh and in the noughties and he was one of the most technically astute footballers that's you know you could say that's ever played the game you know some of his goals it's unbelievable but he he never aspired to play for a bigger club he got offers we understand from the big clubs spurs and united etc um for a lot more money for a lot more prestige it probably would have in increased his england chances i think he only had a few england caps in the end but he's an example of someone that was really happy and really content and was looking at his life and his work in that that success for him that he didn't want to leave southampton that he didn't want to for the sake of the analogy, leave his business and go to a be headhunted and go to another one for more money and more prestige, and and that worked for him. And it, again, it comes back to the conversation that we started with, I suppose, or the, the 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 thinking behind what does success look like for you as the person, and the person listening or watching this podcast. Um, and it's really interesting one. And, and just as we're talking there, I'm also thinking that success isn't just about the person. It's also companies. And obviously a company in the main is a sum of its parts, which is people focused a lot, but is also product focused. And so, you know, it's the but it's the same contemplation. You know, how do I, if I'm in charge of certain elements of a company, how do I make that company successful? And I think as this podcast goes forward and the more people that we speak to who are in the services space, but also then have clients from a, an end user and a product based perspective, it's going to be really, really interesting to hear their perspectives on success, um, what it means to them, what it means to their clients as people and as companies. Um, have you guys got anything 
particular that you wanted to say on that from a company perspective? Um, uh, so from my perspective on, um, I think something that's changed <clears throat> fairly recently is that, you know, that acknowledgement that a, a company needs to be, you know, you're saying that collection of parts, that collection of the individuals that make up the company that help yeah. create the product, be that service or, or physical product. Um, and I think what, what's, what I've seen is much more internal focus around employee value proposition as opposed to what's our value proposition, how do we go and get customers or clients, really thinking about employee value proposition. And I think that's that internal acknowledgement that success is about the people that they bring in, the people that they retain, how do they develop them? So, so I think there's been a shift in that definition of success because you know, up until recently, it's always been about the customer, how do we get more customers? What's our value proposition? How are we reaching out? And suddenly we're going, well, hold on, we need to do the same thing to bring those people in as well. So, so I, I, I'm seeing that um, a lot at senior level, you know, that kind of discussion around how, how do we attract, particularly in certain markets where there's, you know, David was mentioning about the digital transformation field, and we know how competitive that market is. There's a, a finite number of people that have got the skills they need. So how does a company attract the right people so that they can then go on to have commercial success within the business and and I think that for me certainly I'm seeing that crystallizing in this employee value proposition how, how are we creating a world that meets the success criteria of the people we want to join so that's yeah. that thread linking yeah. the success of two yeah yeah and then and then breeding breeding success as an organization leads to to so many positive things internally you know we're talking about a market you mentioned uh the, the phrase the great resignation earlier Joe um where we've seen how things have, have drastically changed you know there's there's been a lot of um flux in the market a lot of attrition for many organizations and i think breeding success internally within an organization making sure that people are happy um are striking we'll go back to it again that work-life balance making sure the work that they're doing is is fulfilling for them making sure that the way that they're they're treated internally the way that their leaders lead the way that they collaborate with their teams the way that they <clears throat> take their organization to market you know everything <clears throat> excuse me everything is a is a factor in in breeding happiness and success um, and I think that a lot of this, a lot of these aspects, if implemented in the right way by organizations, is going to drive down attrition. Uh, and attrition ultimately is, is never a fantastic thing at the types of levels that we've been seeing over the past couple of years. Um, retaining your people is going to breed a much more content environment internally um and is gonna lead to ultimately the business being a lot yeah. more successful yeah we talked all, yeah and the evp the employee value proposition and um employee retention joe that you were talking about david as well but it's so it's something that we talk about every day and i think i think a lot of businesses i think there's many businesses that don't know how to quantify that Right. So they can sit there and go, we'll invest in our people. We'll spend a lot of money to invest in our people. Are we really going to save? I don't, I don't know. I think I think I think there's probably a lot of data out there that backs that up. Um, but what I do know is that people that I speak to who feel 
valued by their business, who love who they work for, both on a professional and a personal level, who see that they are valued as a person, right? Because that's what they are first and foremost. I think that those are the guys that are in what I call bucket C, right? Bucket A being, I'm sorry, sorry, what I call bucket A. Bucket A being, Rob, nice to chat with you, but I, d- I don't want to move. Bucket B being, I'm open to a conversation, and bucket C is kind of help get me out of here. Uh, and the bucket A guys are the ones that, you know, are, are in a good place. They're not necessarily the best paid. They're not necessarily um, even constantly on an upwards trajectory but for whatever reason internally they love who they work for and they're being invested in and they feel valued and that word value is critical um but it really resonates with what you said there joe about the employee value proposition as it not being a throwaway comment that in order for companies to help reduce attrition um you know and the costs associated with that both time and money that it's critical yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know because uh, you know the attrition rates have gone up, and people are looking for something different and looking for you know that that wider offering. You know, are you considering me as a whole person instead of just a, a way of generating some output for you? Um, I, I think you you're, you're seeing a real awareness of the cost of not investing and not looking after people. So, so suddenly, you know, am I hiring a coach who does this and looks after this number of people? That's that cost. And people are, would consider it before I'm spending money. Now they're going, well, I'm investing because it's a cost avoidance of attrition of, you know, the, the cost of bringing someone else new into the organization, the loss of that corporate memory. So when people walk out the door, they take with them an awful lot of experience and knowledge that's specific to your organization. Yeah. And when you bring a new person in, there's always a learning curve. So there's a lower productivity, you know, for a, mm-hmm. for a certain period. So I think there's there's much more acknowledgement of the cost and how investing in your people, you know, on a continual basis is a very sensible model because of that cost avoidance and that attrition on, on the other side. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely think that's that's happening. And, and Rob, you mentioned the data behind, you know, when you do invest in your people and when you do implement these types of things, whether it is on a personal level, whether you're investing in yourself from a coaching perspective or whether it's an organization investing in their people. Uh, I think a really good analogy here is uh, a, there's an old phrase used in, in the marketing and advertising world where they say that 50 percent of all marketing and advertising is absolutely useless. Uh, and 50% is, is, is getting to the audience that it, that it needs to get to. But the issue is from a spend perspective, you don't know which 50% is which. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's the case here. Yes. There probably is more data that you can put around this type of uh, type of a situation, but ultimately if you don't make that investment and you don't spend that time in order to to try and do what you're trying to do in the advertising and marketing world we know what they're trying to do in this sense you're creating and breeding success without yeah. that investment you're never going to get that i think as well though people when you know we talked about people moving role and what they're looking for and that personal definition of success um much more often now people are looking for ongoing investment in them so it's not 
I turn up and I give my life and soul to you. It's it's a it's an equal balance. So I'll produce this for you and you'll invest in me. There's much more of a of a give and take in terms of that that offering. And that that's those organizations that are offering ongoing investment in their people are finding it easier to attract and and retain. It reminds me of a conversation I had with someone a couple of weeks ago who was at Meta, who um, you know, was telling me that they invested in people for great meals and to play table tennis and pool and all the rest of the fun stuff that the big tech firms do. And then they took all that away and, and, and how it impacted the, uh, the contentness of people there. Um, sometimes it's not about investing in them, I suppose, just from a, uh, we're trying to make you better, but just investing in them in, in the, what are they like in the workplace and what it's like to be there. You're um, creating an enjoyable environment and they yeah. spend a lot of time there. Then that that's important. Yeah. You know, we're going to have some great conversations with um, some wonderful guests. You know, we're, we're really looking forward to to our, our next guest coming up. And I think we've kind of set a really good platform here, a really good benchmark as far as what the podcast is to be about. Um, you know, we can digress. It can be a, a breeding ground for lots of different conversations around people and companies and, you know, just life generally. Uh, because as we've said here, and I, I'd like to think that we've probably covered it, that you know, life and work is so intertwined when it comes to happiness, um, which again, you know, I personally think that if everybody was happy, I think that, that, that everyone would, would kind of take that. Uh, and, and, I think that, and I think that's a good thing for people to constantly be striving for. Um, and if we as a podcast can help our listeners kind of take little bits and little snippets of stuff that can help them along their way, then, then we're, then we're doing our bit, right? I think, yeah, we'll probably wrap it up there. Joe, thank you. Wonderful as always. Thank you. And same to you, David. Been a pleasure. Um, uh, and we look forward to the next one and we'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to the search and succeed podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you on the next one. Oh, 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 oh,